Welcome to Books Baby, reading the rainbow and the occasional straight white man. Welcome to Books Baby Podcast, where we're reading The Rainbow and the Occasional White Trade Man. This is a very special episode because it's our last episode for season one. We're going to be reviewing the books that we read this year, the ones that we like, the ones that we hate, the ones that surprise us this year. And um, But before we start that, I like to thank you all and i'm i'm sure i speak for all of us here for listening to us and subscribing if you have subscribed if not it's a good opportunity to do so and sticking up with us on these first episodes as always i'm with ian bev and jamie thanks for listening this first season to start this episode and before we dig into what we've read for the last year Let's start uh, talking about what we're reading at the moment. Well, because everyone kept talking about it, I am reading the Neapolitan Quartet, as promised. Um, So I'm currently on the second one. I binged the first one in like three days. This one's not far behind. And then the third and fourth I don't own, so I'm going to have to borrow them from the library. But absolutely loving it. Uh, Very much right place, right time for that. Yeah, it's good. I can't wait to read all of her other books too. So that'll be good. Um, What are you reading, Ello? I am reading something that's really new new for me, a horror story by an Argentinian writer called Marianne Enriquez. It is called Our Share of Night, and it's really, really good. It's a huge book, around 700 uh, pages, almost 700 pages, but it's so far it's so good. I started it last week, I think, or a bit two weeks ago at the most, and I'm almost over with that one, which I was surprised because of the nature of the story or the genre of the book but it's everywhere in the bookshops that's where I saw it that's where it grabbed my attention and I'm enjoying it very well I've been having nightmares all these weeks because of the book (laughs) but it's really good really good if you like horror stories you've really sold it to me Alo I really want to read that now yeah I really want nightmares I love nightmares yeah I've had so many nightmares this this since I started reading the book is it um is it like creature nightmares like mouses or is it no like no no bites? it's it talk about something I'm reading in Spanish but I know I know it is in English and I've seen it in all the bookshops it talks about the darkness and it never really tells you what the darkness is or how it is it's really and about the dead people and stuff like that so it's it's sort of magical realism, I guess, in a little way. It's so good. Like, I, I've been having lots of nightmares, but I'm enjoying the book really good. What about you, Ian? What are you reading at the moment? Uh, I just started an Australian book today. It's um, Limbo Lost by Robbie Arnott, which I'd seen recommended by a few people. Um, I'm not very far into it, but I'm quite enjoying the style of his writing so far. 
And the other thing I'm reading is Elizabeth Strout. So I read O. William uh, when I was reading the Booker Prize shortlist earlier this year, and I hadn't read any Strout before, and I really just enjoyed her writing and I, I enjoyed her character of Lucy Barton. I wanted to sort of spend more time with her. And I thought summer was a great time to get into her backlist. So I just finished reading uh, My Name is Lucy Barton, which was really good. And I'm going to start reading Olive Kitteridge this week at some point too, which everyone raves about. So I'm looking forward to that. I I want to do the same because I do I loved uh, O William too, and I I did it without reading the previous one. So I I do want to know a little bit more about Lucy Barton. Yeah, it's nice to fill in the backstory, but O William did stand very well by itself without yes. the other books. Um, it's not as traumatic as I had thought it was going to be because you know she hints at some of the horrendous things that happened to her in her childhood in O. William and she goes into a bit more detail in My Name is Lucy Barton but it's um it's very similar in style it's like very thoughtful very quiet yeah. and sort of gradually just um drops in a few little things that happened to her as a child. And that's the first one right? That's the first one yeah. Yeah. What about you, Beth? What are you reading at the moment? I'm reading Seeing Other People by Diana Reed. So she wrote the blockbuster for last year's summer read as well, Love and Virtue. So this one's about or set on set in Sydney in Enmore, Newtown, about two sisters. So two very different sisters, which I'm enjoying so far. And the other thing that I'm reading is Alan Rickman's Diaries, which oh, have been really, really lovely. I'm starting in 1993, I'm going to 1994 and he mentions people like Emma Thompson and all like the greats of British theatre and he is, you know, he's just so funny and so generous. So I've been kind of savouring that one because I, I like, I, there's a couple of decades ago yet, but um, I know I'm going to be like devastated when it ends, even though I know, know that he passes away at the end. I um I have a question about that. Is there his actual diaries that he wrote for himself and they're not being published or was something that he was planning yeah. in publishing he kept really detailed notes so they're all quite short and they're days yeah. it's like those one line a day diaries yeah. it feels like um and there's some pictures of his actual diaries in it which is um like very short entries i think he he recorded in all and I was a little bit like iffy because I didn't know whether they had gotten his consent to publish it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you know how Harper yes manuscript got, you know, published without, like she wouldn't give her consent. But mm -hmm. no, he wrote in his will basically that he wanted it to be, you know, edited by friends and then published out. So it was very much in control up to the moment of his death and he wanted it to be read. And I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, like, it's so great to have access to <laughs> his thoughts. He's just so funny. And he um, was such a about... great actor. Yeah, and such a great actor because he watched a lot of stuff as well. He had one Jurassic Park had just been released in 1993 and his review of Jurassic Park was, great dinosaurs, but where's the plot? <laughs> um, that hard to me because I love Jurassic Park. Oh, I love Jurassic Park. In 1993. Park too, but, yeah, but I, I get what he's saying. <laughs> Seems like we're already sort of like in this summer kind of readings talk. So let's start reviewing the year, but let's start reviewing it with the, the bad parts of the year. And let's talk about those books that we read and just didn't land it with us. What was the worst read that you did this year? I'm going to jump in first and say I hated Find Me by Andre Asselman. Like everybody <laughs> last year. I, I'm with you on that. Everyone seems to have hated that. I have seen a, a few people who, who liked it. It was just so pointless. And 
you know, I think everyone was so invested in Elio and um, Oliver in Call Me By Your Name and they wanted to see them back together and it's like the last five pages they actually are together yes, again. Yes. But I... it was just so bad how he kept throwing these characters together and it's like, oh, mag- fate brought them together and so they're magically in love and there was just no conflict at all. Uh, it was so boring. I read it a couple of years ago and I felt the same like I felt very disappointed because Call Me By Your Name is such a beautiful novel and I was expecting that like I knew it was sort of like short stories like like, well maybe their encounters over the years but like you said like it's just the last one yeah not good I was yeah I didn't like it I didn't mind the concept of it I didn't mind knowing that I was going to be reading about his dad and um, about other things that weren't necessarily those two main characters but I think the thing that made Call Me By Your Name so special was the, the tension that was created, you know, uh, his, his teenage boy lusting after this older guy, are they going to get together, are they not going to get together um, over this amazing summer? And there was just no tension in the sequel. It just really bombed for me. I didn't realise they didn't get together until the very end in the second book. What a waste. <laughs> it was so disappointing. <sighs> oh. like the whole time it's like you're just waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting oh, for dear. it. Is it and even set like, in Italy? Like, what redeeming no. factors were there? Some of it's in Italy, some, some of it's yeah. in the US. Hmm. And they go, and there's a story like he goes to Paris with his dad and his new wife or something like that, right? There was a nice scene where um, I think it was him and his dad were walking around uh, in Rome and ah, yeah. he was talking about, like, this is where um, Oliver and I you know, yes. like, were kissing or something like that. Like, it was sort of like reminiscing about the past yeah. and the father-son dynamic in that story was quite nice. Um, but I just, yeah, the relationships that, that um, he wrote about just didn't feel authentic to me. Yeah, I do have to say that I think Asiman is a great writer and even in that really bad book, his writing is really good yeah. and makes me oh, that's very true. keep reading him. Yeah, I'd like to read more of his books outside that sort of series. Is- it's just a pity because he could have definitely all too welled that relationship because mm. it was the age gap relationship, right? And I don't think I've seen any, or you, maybe you, you all have um, anything exploring that kind of like age gap, but in queer relationships, like how is that? Because it's not, because, you know. Lie With Me by, by Philip Besson does it a little bit. And I feel like I see it more in TVs and movies than I do books, actually. I think there was a little bit... Um of that sort of dynamic in the, the less um, books by Andrew Sean Greer. Doesn't uh, yes, Arthur you're Les right. Have a younger yes. lover. Yes, um, he, he does. I haven't read yeah. the sequel yet. I'm planning to read that over summer, but um, mm. it was quite interesting the way it was narrated by the lover, although you don't know what's the lover until the end. Spoilers, sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the way that he goes off traveling because he's, you know, being dumped by this younger guy. Uh, what about you, Beth? What's the sorry. worst book that you read this, this year? I was scrolling through my Instagram and I think I'm going to be, I'm going to be blacklisted by these publishers, I think, but it has to be the dual, no hard feelings and love and other puzzles. So they're both Auslit, um, about 20 something young women who are like a mess and trying to like bumble their way through their careers and love life. And it's like part, partly a rom-com, partly about, I don't know, city living. I just, they're mediocre to such a degree that it hurts my soul. 
and I'm saying there is, yeah, I'm like there is space. I mean, there can is we space. put that on the t-shirt, please? <laughs> there, is, there is space for these novels, and I want you know, I want it to be the publishing industry. You know, like if Dan Brown can get published again and again, like obviously, like I want you know, mediocrity all ships rises, but it's just really painful reading some of that. And then I think dealing with the TikTokification of it as well. So it'll be like everybody kind of loved the book. Um, and I was like, are we reading the same books? So yeah, that really, that kind of really annoyed me in terms of like the publishing industry as a whole. I was like, we could be reading a lot more interesting books from this like subsect of people if you stop publishing. I don't know. I don't know what this is. Like it, It's like the trend of the moment, like the, you know, sad girl lit trend, which I kind of, like I like and I've read and everyone's trying to replicate the success of um, Sally Rooney but I yeah (laughs) I think I haven't read uh, those ones but I've read Mm. Sally Rooney which I absolutely love although her Mm -hmm. latest one wasn't as good as the first one yeah Um, but do you think it is it has to do with authenticity like Sally Rooney did it first and felt really authentic like something that probably hasn't been published uh, or hadn't become mainstream in the past and then this is more like trying to jump into the wave that she created yeah I think it's a part of that and um in this I guess is topical for me because I've used this a lot um this week but I don't know if you've seen the new AI that's come out from Google it's called chat GPT so it's a text-based AI it's basically kind of download the whole internet up to 2021 and you give give it a writing prompt and it like spits out pretty accurate things so I had it write poems for me this week for fun on just different <laughs> topics but it's uh, it is like that it's like it's kind of these books are kind of like write me a book about a lost 20 something in like a Melbourne city and then it regurgitates yep. and I, I think it just yeah I think it doesn't have I think maybe it is the authenticity thing but also it just doesn't have a lot of heart which is although I, like Diana Reed you know it's you know, quite privileged but at least her like her characters feel lived and breathed in and which is what is missing I think from a lot of these other books and I don't know, some of the behaviors of these of these characters and I don't need characters to be likable they're just like downright annoying <laughs> <laughs> with no redeeming factors. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So that's my tirade against the industry. I'm never going to, don't think I'm ever going to see books from any of those publishers again. But <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> what about you, Jamie? What was your absolutely most hated book this year? It was another Auslit, unfortunately. Um, it was Love and Virtue for me. I detested it. I listened to it on audiobook and the whole time I wanted to pull my hair out. As Bev was just saying, uh, Diana Reid's books reek of privilege and I couldn't get over it. And it's it's hard to distinguish whether she's deliberately writing characters with privilege to make a comment or whether she's doing it because that's how she is. And I think that's the hard thing for me because it's sort of from, and I did a bit of research into the book as well at the time. Basically, she wrote it like very, very quickly. And the first publishing house or something that she submitted it to sort of just took it because she'd been writing at uni from memory and it didn't really get edited too much. And then it just got published and then it got picked up on like TikTok and Instagram and all that because 
that was like relatable but like honestly the story is about like uni students in Sydney that's me (laughs) and I could not relate to it one bit like they were like lusting after teachers which like is a thing like at uni especially like that's a legit thing that's not far-fetched but like it went too far and they were so juvenile and I just hated every minute of it it was so bad and as Bev was saying love and other puzzles and no hard feelings I have both Mm -mm. fell flat don't know what it is with Oslit at the moment but it is not it like honestly for me can't get I think it's just this particular slice of it there's been some really good ones I feel Marshmallow was pretty good I that's true remember. i read abomination this year that was really good yep. yeah um, abomination was good okay sorry young Alan. young girl oslit is not where it's at <laughs> i think it's the authenticity thing don't you like if you're trying to be sally rooney it's not authentic to you it's not an authentic voice and so you're not going to create these authentic characters mm. um which i think seem to be your main gripe bev and for me if i'm not invested in a character i don't have to like them but i, I need to mm. think that they're realistic people to sort of yes. want to keep following that you know, story. You know what? It's not that they're not realistic. It's like, no, I do know people like this. Yeah, and like I hate them. <laughs> yeah, I was saying to someone the other day and oh, I'm really shooting myself in the foot, but you know how some people just feel like non-playable characters? And <laughs> this is <laughs> what it feels like to me. You know, like in a video game, there are like non-playable characters who are not mm. um, being, and I was just like, hey, these, these are background. Why are we giving background dressing stories? Which is, I don't know, an exercise, but I was just like, I don't get it together (laughs) what about you Ally? what was your least favorite read this year my least favorite read is going to put me in the blacklist of many gay bookstagrammers because it's the house in the cerulean sea by tj clune which i I hated it so much and i even so is this before after you find out about the controversy uh i don't know the controversy because i like I, I skipped seeing a lot of this book uh, in the past during the pandemic. I got it, and I was like, "Oh, I should have read the synopsis because I knew from start it's like I'm gonna hate this book." And I did. I, I found it cheesy. I found it a bit moralistic. Very plain characters. It didn't make sense to me. Hated from start to end. I actually don't know how I finished it because I did finish it. But that was my it's absolute so when you see a book that gets you often see a book you know instagram or, or wherever that's just everyone loves it everyone raves about it and yeah I, I kept seeing that one and thinking this doesn't sound like it's very good <laughs> so I, i'm glad to hear that two of you didn't like it because i haven't read yeah, it yet and I, I, I actually uh, i bought a copy and but then I, I gave it away curious to know what the controversy is though oh um I cannot, so the gist of it was basically, I think the story was about orphans yes. um, in a house. And the controversy was that he was basically trying to romanticize the uh, taking of land from indigenous people and like a little bit like the stolen generation thing uh-huh. in terms of like how much better, you know, your life is because, the, you know, these orphans were this kind of like stand in for the indigenous population of Canada, but, you know, how much better their lives were because they've been, you know, picked up by these gracious white people essentially uh, um the and white thing yeah white savior thing and he was using indigenous stories without permission um, oh yeah no that, i'm I, not a I, fan of that yeah so that was i think that was the main critique that kind of like cracked out after it became really popular i hate it and now i hate it even more so <laughs> <laughs> like, i'm justified <laughs> I got sent um, his new book, Under the Whispering Door, I think it's called, earlier this year. Didn't ask for it once again. Um, 
got sent it I started absolutely hated it it's like it's like a death story so like the main character's died and he's got to redeem himself and it's like you know how I feel about after death stories um but (laughs) it was not good and like the character was like very stereotypically like gay and stuff and it was just like not nope not doing it yes that that was my issue the characters were like very stereotypical and Books are so much fun though. Hating on books since 2022. (laughs) It was, yeah, no. I mean, Uh, a lot of trash books. (laughs) Yeah, but before moving, like, just uh, for everyone who's listening, just to remind that reading is a subjective thing and the books that we hate might be the best books for you and that will be totally fine. This is just our personal and unique opinions. Moving on to a better things, let's talk about, about those books that surprised us this year, those books that we read unexpectedly or appear in our way by surprise and surprise us and really moved us or we really enjoyed reading them. Does anyone have a book that fits into this category? Oh, I'll start. Um, I read Kitchen by Banana Yoshimoto this year and it was superb. Picked it up when I went to Melbourne because I liked the cover which is always a good way to choose a book. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was such a lovely story about like connection to the kitchen in family life and life by yourself and your own identity. Um, it was really nice. As we all know, we like translated fiction, but um, yeah, it was a surprise because I'd never even heard of the author before. And then it had like rave reviews from the staff, you know, when they, in Dimmicks, they put like the little placards under um, like half the staff had like recommended it and I was like oh must be good and it was yes I read that a, a couple of years ago too and I love that one very very much there's mm-hmm. something about a book that um, can capture this mood or character or spirit in, in like 100 pages you know and Kitchen's one of those where you mm-hmm. just feel totally immersed in her world it's two stories though isn't it but I kind of remember the first story more vividly yeah, it was like the daughter and the mother relationship. There was a second story. A grandmother, right? If I remember. It might have been, yeah. Yes. It's what I, I like what you say, Diane. Like it's a short book, but that doesn't mean that it's just shallow or not as deep as 700 pages. Book. Yeah, this year I've read so many short mm. books that have just been amazing. Claire Keegan, I've mentioned her several <laughs> times on the podcast and her small things like these, just amazing. It's just a little microcosm of, of this man's life three days anyway i'm hijacking you jamie sorry no i'm finished it's okay did anyone else have a surprise from the year well i'll keep talking then so my surprise was (laughs) you know sometimes authors send you books and and i'm like oh that's lovely but oh my gosh i don't know what to say about that um but this year one of my favorite books was sent to me by the author and um i really loved it and you guys both mentioned it already and it's abomination by ashley goldberg such a good author a melbourne-based writer it's his first book um, and it's about two young Jewish men and um, they're at a school in Melbourne and the, there's a scandal. One of the, call him a priest? A rabbi. 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 Yeah. Sorry. It's been a while since I read it. <laughs> yeah, has like molested a boy and, and then it's about their, their lives 20 years later and the impact of this sort of event and what happens when you, um, when you leave a... Um, ultra-Orthodox community. Um, But it was really so in-depth into the mental health struggles that one of them has. And I've learned a lot about Judaism as well, clearly, because I can remember what a rabbi is, but very readable. I didn't realise that was Melbourne-based. Yeah, I really recommend that one. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think I wrote it in like a day and a half, two yeah, days. Yeah, it's like, it you know, was, good. scenes in different places. I remember your review for that one and made me literally went to the bookshop and get a copy and I absolutely loved it. It was so good. It's always nice when you recommend a book and then other people like it too. It's a bit scary, especially when this, this sort of I came out. I think I reviewed it before it was released mm. uh, and I said something verbose like um, it's the best Australian debut since Boy Swallows Universe. Um, and it's still definitely the best Australian book I've read. That's big. It's so is good. It, was I... it released this year? Yeah. Yes. Ah, oh, okay. I think in May, maybe. May or mm. June. And I think you like it, babe, because it's based on Melbourne and you've lived Caulfield? here longer than, than yeah. me. Yes. And yes, I was able, yeah. yes, I was able to identify all the places mentioned in the book. So it's really good. I gotta get it. For some reason, I thought I was American. Who clearly didn't read any of your reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for paying attention to our Instagram uh, okay. profiles, babe. <laughs> She looks at the photo. She doesn't read the comments. Bev, did you what have a surprise you, this year? Uh, yes, um, I did. So my surprise this year, I think I may have talked about it on this podcast before, but mine was the Skullmance series, so Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. It was, it's fantasy, which I don't read as much as I did when I was young and really into the genre, but it was surprising because even though the main character is very YA in terms of voice, quite um look at me I'm a dark sorceress my hair I'm beautiful but I'm still evil etc etc I'm fighting against my better nature but the world building in it was really really interesting in terms of it was like a Hogwarts but darker everything's out to kill you and it was in the end really very obtusely I might add but I still enjoyed it. it is really kind of like a fable for raging against capitalism so they have all these little I think they're kind of like covens I guess where in order to build a coven you have to sacrifice something deadly and everyone pretends not to know what that deadly thing is because they're so comfortable they'll rather ignore the problem than actually investigate it and confront with the issues so it gave me the feeling of being a teenager and reading something to you know up all night and I recommended it back to some friends I had back in Singapore who were who we bonded over like this when we were younger. And um, it was nice to just kind of catch up back into a genre that we're both, you know, now all working and still adult, uh, you know, adults. It's not, it was nice to kind of like sink back into that childhood feeling of a book that you could share and like was just waiting. I was waiting for the next book to come out, which I don't do very often <laughs> anymore. So yeah, so that would have been, yeah, that would be my surprising pick. I wasn't going to pick it up. It was only because one of my other friends recommended it for book club. Otherwise it would have gone by i love that feeling those those books who kind of um take us to back when we were younger and we started mm. reading books i feel like mm. it's it's a lovely thing i sometimes read ya just to get that feeling and also a bit of mm. get a little bit jealous of how much diversity those books have now that mm. um didn't exist when i was a, a teenager that's true. Yeah, I miss those days totally. when you used to like line up at the bookstore or put mm. in your pre-order because you were so excited. And now I'm like, Meh. like I'll just wait for it to come out. <laughs> like I don't have that yeah. same drive because there's not those big series. It's like for me, it was like the Mortal Instruments series when I was in my mm. teenage years, and I was like waiting for this last book to come out. And mm. now I'm like, I'm not that invested in anything. Yeah, I was like. Is it crack? Did I put crack in this? I don't understand why. <laughs> why this work? Like it shouldn't work because the writing is sometimes quite bad, and the dialogue is also sometimes quite bad. But it just it still just works. Yeah. But you know what? I'll be lining up for next year when Brandon Taylor drops his new book. 
I'm going yeah. to be at the bookstore. <laughs> That's still one of my favourite bookish chats this year that we had when we finished reading Filthy Animals, Bev. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was good. Intense book. Uh-huh. I didn't forget that one. Mm. Have you read Real Life, Alo? I read the... Did you read Real Life? Real, I read novel. Real Life. I love that one. Yeah. Like, I thought yeah. that was brilliant. It's such a great yeah. book. Filthy so Animals is go. not on that level, but it's it's good. It's a sh- no, story collection, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I different. like that because I like when authors explore um, mm. other ways or like different structures or stuff like that. Because sometimes, like I love Isabel Allende, but you can mm-hmm. see a, a pattern in her writing, and mm. they're all very similar characters or mm. stories, which I love. I absolutely love, and she's she's uh, releasing a new book next year, and I will be mm. at the bookshop. <laughs> oh, I might be actually day. too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like when when authors do something different or try to explore, even if it doesn't land how they want it. What about what about you, Alo? What was the book that surprised you the most this year? For me, it was this Australian novel that I actually got it. I think I on a competition or a giveaway or something like that. That was called that is called My Heart Is a Little Wild Thing by oh, yeah. uh, Nigel Featherstone. The cover is gorgeous and the the novel was so nostalgic and so sad, but at the same time so beautiful. It was it just took me by surprise and yeah, I loved it completely. It, it's about this old gay man who has never had a relationship. It's looking after it's looking after his mother and suddenly meets it's in regional New South Wales. He goes to this house in the summers when he was a young kid and decides to go back for a weekend and meets obviously a man sort of falling in slopes but it's it's so beautiful it's the, the, that exploration like it's a coming of age but when you should probably know who you are um, so it's very beautiful that sounds lovely yeah. i i've had that on my list since you posted your review on instagram mm-hmm. and you're making me wonder why i haven't bought it yet it's very beautiful it's very very nostalgic and i it made me cry it made me it made, like i it's one of those characters that, that you, you cry that you it's not a very likable person but not in a bad way like it's more like mm. i felt pity for the character but at the same time i just want to meet him and call him and tell him you're okay you're enough you're uh, yeah it was really really beautiful and emotive reading a wide um, mix of books that surprised us this year. And then let's move to the very, very best of the year. And let's talk about <laughs> our favorite reds. It's almost mid-December. And by the time this podcast is published, will be late December. Um, so let's, <laughs> let's call it and say what was our favorite... <laughs> Our favorite book this this 2022. Let's start with Beth. Now you said let's call it because yeah. Well, I already called Sorry, it. Sorry, no, Ian, last... finish your thought. Finish it. Yeah. I mean, I started uh, in like March, but did you? Oh, <laughs> I, did, I, I actually. Um, I'm glad we're calling it this week because I actually just finished my favorite book of the year oh, this wow. week. Oh. It's been a, yeah, it's not been such a, like, I haven't been, like, shook or inspired by my reads this year for some reason. They were all very, and I don't know whether it's just because we've been in lockdown for so long and the feelings kind of, like, you know, real life is starting creeping. So the books have less intensity in the way it impacted me. So a lot of the, you know, 
a lot of the books this year have just been like, eh, it went kind of over my head. They were good, but they were not great. But I just read one recently that blew me away and it's called, it's not even fiction. It's, it's a memoir. So different from what I usually read, but it's called In the Dream House by Carmen, cannot remember her last name. I will look it up. But it's a memoir. Maria Machado? Machado? Yeah, I'm not sure how you pronounce yeah. her name. Yeah, that's right. And she, I've heard such good things. Yeah, it was a very, it's a very intense novel. So it's about domestic violence and queer relationships, specifically her um, queer relationship she had in her, I think, mid, early to mid-20s. And it is very different. So stylistically, it's both very academic and very stylistic. So each chapter is a literary trope. So it goes like in a dream, in the dream house as a romantic comedy or in the dream house as a ghost story or um, in the dream house as a coming of age story. And each one writes about a facet of the relationship within that style. So it was just like technically marvellous because she clearly really understood all of these genres, but the plot still moved forward. So there was a chronological manner in the plot. And I don't know, it was, it, yeah, if you felt like you were living it with her, it was suffocating and it was um just, you were, you were scared, like when she was scared and the kind of um intensity of, the verbal abuse sometimes like like I I started feeling shame because of how she was describing um what was happening to her and I think it was also a really interesting exploration of a topic that's not really talked about very often like it's been, I think with all minorities anyway that sort of like constant tussle between oh there must be nothing wrong in like a like a lesbian or queer relationship because you know it's supposed to be a utopia and anything that falls out that narrative is kind of like shunted to the wayside so it was kind of questioning like why are we not talking about it more and then also this kind of the spiraling shame involves being like thinking of like of thinking of the movement like come on we can't be in domestic violence um situation we're bringing the lgbtq ia sort of um crew down we don't need more stories about like the crazy lesbian etc etc that feeds into the trope so um it was yeah it was phenomenal I think yeah everyone should read it it was a very quick read even though it was kind of traumatizing so yeah that's my favorite book of the year that I called that I I'm Dev, I've had that it. on my to be read shelf for ages yeah. so you've inspired <laughs> me I'm gonna get it out and start reading it tonight yeah I, ha- I hadn't heard about that one but I'm mm. getting it. Mm. I'm getting a copy. I'm going to get it too. Yeah. All your recommendations are like making me write a list for the library for next week. So thanks. Yeah. For that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We should, we should put it down on the show notes as well. So everyone can listen. Yes, to definitely. To create a compilation and tag some yeah. authors. Um, mm. Yeah. So that's my one. I'm still like, I'm still not over it. Like I we had book club discussion yesterday and I feel like I still need to, I still need to discuss in detail. <laughs> <laughs> the guy, like, I am we need a separate it. episode just for that. Uh yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I'll be very interested to hear what your your take on it is as well. But yeah, so that's mine. Uh Jamie, what's yours? <laughs> okay. I don't remember if anyone remembers this, but I called in March the book of the year and I stand by it. <laughs> it's Cleopatra and Frankenstein by Coco Malore, and it is the best debut I think I've read in such a long time, except for Abomination by Ashley Goldberg. That's mm. my favorite Australian debut. I will declassify the two. Um <laughs> But I think Coco Malaw's is American. So let's go Best American Debut of the Year. Um, 
it was so good and I could not stop thinking about it all year. So basically it's a very fated relationship between 24-year-old Cleo and I think he's about 40 in his 40s, uh, Frank, who she nicknames Frankenstein. Um, and she nicknamed herself Cleopatra. And basically that's all you need to know. Those two characters don't go together and that's essentially all you need to understand the plot. Um, so Cleo and Frank are obviously very two different people and they just get married because they feel like they should after like six months of dating. And it's just, they basically bring themselves down in a spiral and Cleo is like the most dramatic character I think I've ever read. And she does everything for the drama of it and for what it looks like to everyone else rather than for what she's feeling. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of content warnings. So if you are going to read it, do check those out first online. Um, there's a lot of like self-harm and things. So just be cautious of that. But yeah, it was, yeah, just such a good book, especially for a debut. I can't wait to see what else she comes out with. So I stand by my choice. Um, I don't think I can read the Isabel Allende books that Aloe sent me because they will beat this, I'm sure. So I've got to hold them off until January 1st, just in case. <laughs> that <laughs> but, sounds good. Um, like yeah. um, and, and that book, I've seen it a lot in the favorites from the bookstores. So I might mm. have to give it a go. Sounds, sounds interesting. I thought it was like a yes, um, such... fantasy book. That's what I didn't pick it up before. That's fair. Um, yeah, because like the name. Name, like, yes. oh Frankenstein but like no it's just like a comical thing they have between each other they nicknamed mm. each other that um which I think is like hilarious and so like niche um but it's funny so um I, I love the cover for that book oh, it's my favorite cover but once they said a 40 year old guy I was like I'm out I just hate him. I don't need don't need it I don't need it <laughs> but Ian. you're convincing me otherwise I just don't no, want to see no, my Ian, no sorry I'm like no what's wrong with 40 like year 40, old men Beth no, like 40 year old men who are dating really young girls mm. and it's just what, like Jake Gyllenhaal oh I mean <laughs> oh, yeah Jake maybe started. like Jake Gyllenhaal but or John yeah Mayer. I don't yeah I was just like I don't need it mm. just like is there gonna be is it gonna be messed up I don't need it it's messed up because of who they are it's not messed up because of the age gap i will say that okay and so it's it's it changes that narrative that you always Mm. like but we've all seen the media and that um Mm. but yeah it's all the characters have a lot of of weird shit going on and it is just like the it's it's so comical for such a dark book like it's very much dark humor so if you're into that pick it up sounds great what about julian what what was your favorite pick well, you're making me call it. I wasn't ready to call it. And um, <laughs> I, I was just like this morning going, what am I going to pick for my favorite book of the year? Because I've read a lot of good books, but most years something jumps out at me as being, yeah, this is good. Like, like with you, Jamie, back in March, you're like, this is definitely going to be my favorite book of the year. I had a few contenders, but I, I decided to go with Elena Knows by um, Claudia Pinera because I think it stuck with me the most. And it's, um, for those who don't know anything about it, it was um, shortlisted for the Booker International Prize. Uh, it's by an Argentinian author. And it's about uh, Elena. And it's a bit like Mrs. Dalloway, you know, it follows her for a day, but there's all these, you know, flashbacks and you learn more about her life. Uh, Elena has Parkinson's disease and with her body, she has to take these pills that basically get her moving. And her daughter, Rita's body has been found um, hanging in the church, um, the police think it's suicide, but Elena knows that her daughter wouldn't have killed herself. So she sets out across Buenos Aires to um, 
to call in a favour to get someone to um, to help her solve the mystery of her daughter's death. So like most good books, it's about so much more than just the plot. There's so much commentary on women's rights and particularly reproductive rights in Argentina about the torment, I guess, of living with um, a degenerative disease and also the, the cost for the carers of, of dealing with that disease. I think for me, it was a really personal read because my mum had Parkinson's disease and I could see that it was a very accurate portrayal of those symptoms. But at the same time, it wasn't a book that, you know, she wasn't a caricature. She was a real person and had a real backstory and she was a flawed individual. Yeah, for me, that's why it's been the most, the book I've thought about the most, I guess, in the months since I've read it and why I've called it my book of the year. It's really good. That's another one that I picked up because of you. And what stuck to me about that book is the way in which the author manages the suspense of what is going to happen to this mm. uh, woman by herself in the city if her pill doesn't work or when the pill stops working. I was just like suffering with her. Because she's a crime writer. I mean, I wouldn't call this a crime novel, but mm -hmm. um, it's definitely written in that sort of style, isn't it? Of what's yes. going to happen next and the, the twists and turns of uncovering what happened to her daughter, I guess, yeah, is, is the whodunit, <clears throat> excuse me, the whodunit of this story. I didn't realise how sad it was. I've read the synopsis, but I didn't realise until you were just like reviewing it. I don't, I didn't come away feeling sad from oh, this one. Good, like it, it, it's very, I guess it's brutally frank in, mm. in what she has to deal with every day, but she soldiers on. She's like, she's a tough old bird. She just keeps on going. She gets on, on trains and, you know, she knows exactly how far she has to, she can go until she has to take her next pill to get her limbs moving again. And she's determined. So in a I way, it's a using, little bit inspiring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love using, I guess, like the disease as like a narrative structure almost, the way that you're describing it. That's so clever. I remember you were reviewing it and I was like, I need to get that. But I'm still on hold at the library. <laughs> Lots of people are reading it this year. Oh, she has a lot of other books. I'm, I'm very keen to read more of her next yeah. year. And what about you, Allo? What's well, your like, book of the year? I called it last episode with the seven books <laughs> of Mali Almeida, which I you stand by. You did call it. It is so far my favorite book of the year. But to talk about something different, I also loved, and it was very close to be the, my favorite book this year, My Sister, The Serial Killer by Oinakan Braithwaite. I hope I pronounced her name correctly, which I found so original, so hilarious, so dark as well, about this a gorgeous Niger Nigerian woman that just kills the men that she dates and how her sister covers her crimes. I found it so good. Like, I enjoyed it. I read it probably, like, in a couple of days. It's a very dark and not pleasant subject, but I laughed a lot while reading that book. So maybe I'm It is very funny. Book. It is hilarious. I love for, it. For a book about yeah. murder, it yes. is. Yeah. Yes. Very funny. It is. I think we had, we, there was a, this was a book club discussion book that we had and we were all like, what would you do for your siblings? Like, would you help them bury a body? Like, is that, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And disinfect it to make sure they're not caught. <laughs> yeah. But then the sister falls or wants to, to hook up with the guy that, oh, yes. that the sister's in love with. Yes. That was a great twist. What would you do? Save the man you love or clean up after your sister? <laughs> I don't have a sister, so... No, mm. I don't either. <laughs> yeah. no. I do. I'd still stand by the partner. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather someone not die. And you have a twin sister too, so that's like mm. doubly, doubly intense. <laughs> <laughs> we have buried a bunch of books as our favourites this year. I love it. 
what about what are you looking forward to reading in the summer or in the next couple of months that we will be making a pause? I'm going to do January in Japan, I've decided. Because last January I went, I virtually travelled to Italy and read Italian books and cooked <laughs> Italian food and watched Italian oh, films. Making me hungry. That was so, good. so this year I'm going to do Japanese. I'm going to cook lots of Japanese food. I'm going to read oh, so good. the backlist um, Japanese books I've got on my shelf. Yeah, maybe watch some manga or something like that. I don't know. Uh, do you have any titles in mind, Ian? Um, I've got a few Murakamis on my shelf, so I'll probably read Kafka <laughs> on the Shore. Um, I've got a Banana Yoshimoto book mm -hmm. called Amrita, which I want to read. Mm -hmm. I've got a couple of Yukio Mishimas. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that might be it for now, but I'll probably go book shopping and buy some more. What about you, Jamie? What what um, are you looking forward to read this summer? Well, I'm going to read the books that everyone has gifted me uh, for uh, Christmas. So... Oh. <laughs> That's O. William. Um, I will probably reread Conversations with Friends because I loved it. Paola and what's the other one? Long Paddle of the Sea that Alo gifted me from Isabella Lende. That'll be good. Finish the Neapolitan Quartet probably this month and we'll see after that. What about you, Bev? I think I'm going to take a vent. Oh, I haven't read a lot of American literature this year, actually. So I'm going to go back to some of the big releases. So there was... Um, a portrait of a thief so it's about I think an art heist but there is like about a bunch of like art history students who are going to take back um all the portraits that you know like the London Museum have stolen from years ago when they invaded everyone so it sounds really um, ocean 80 which I thought was kind of perfect for a beach summer read I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna read some of the books that you gave me I'm looking forward to I think Aloe gave me one that I didn't ask for but sounds awesome called uh, Lost Children Archives about making the, I think a Mexican family making their way across the border, which I think, I mean, obviously not a summer road trip, but <laughs> summer. <laughs> it is a road trip. It is a road trip, but like no other. <laughs> so yeah, I think those are the two that I kind of want to knock out. Um, how about you, Ian? I already did mine. What about you, Aloe? Oh, sorry. Gosh. <laughs> I am um, looking forward to read small things like this by Claire, Claire Kingan because I normally like that was so close the to books being my book of the year that, that mm. uh, you recommend uh, I have to say that and then because you said it's uh, around Christmas time so I want to do that I also obviously going to read the books that you gifted me I am particularly keen to read just by looking at him because I love Ryan O'Connell TV work I think he's a really good writer like a script writer so hopefully he's a good novelist as well and yeah i think that's and i want to read because i read your review and i totally loved it tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow because i read bev's review on instagram and totally sold that for me and i'm i want to read that one mm, that's a cute book oh cute being like a relative where there's quite some dark themes in there but yeah. very easy to read yeah and it was named the best book of the year in goodreads mm. Yeah. If mm. you like John Green books, you like Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. I've never oh, read it. I wasn't him. sure about it. Oh, uh, it's, it's on the same level as like, what's his famous one? Know. The Fault in All Stars. <laughs> oh. I'm going to have to read it now. I like the movie. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it was good. Well, I guess this is the last episode of the oh. year. We'll be back. We'll be back. Um, but thanks for... <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we're sharing. Yeah, no, we'll be back. Yeah, don't worry, Ben. We will be back. Yeah, that's we a threat. Back. Um, <laughs> like, we will be back. <laughs> but th thanks for listening to us. And thank you all for um, coming every Sunday with 
great opinions, recommendations, and uh, making this podcast possible. Thank you, Ello. Thank you too, Ello, for organizing us, really, because mm. you <laughs> said it first. We're all thinking it, but you said it, and you set up the group, which we love. <laughs> I, I really enjoy our little podcast, and I hope everyone who listens does it as well. Anything else? Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Like everyone say, thanks so much for listening to us. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe on Spotify and Apple. Leave us a review that helps us to reach more people. Share the podcast with your friends if you love it. And if you didn't like it with your enemies, we we (laughs) want to be listened by everyone. And thanks so much for listening to us. I hope we have given you good recommendations and that you read the books that we have discussed. Or if you have read them, send us a message and let us know what you think about them. We always are very happy to hear from you. The book's baby theme music was written by Paul Smith and performed by Paul Smith and Ian Sykes. We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which this podcast was recorded. We pay our respects to Indigenous elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land.